Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They're writing signs in front of buildings asking Tom Jones to move to Boston. And that's just what he did for game three of the Lightning's playoff game anyway against the Bruins. We have him next to break it all down for you. And the Tampa Bay Rays lost to Detroit 2-1. And this time, that's their third base coach who might have cost them the game. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. We'll speak with Tom Jones of the Tampa Bay Times in just a minute. But first, let's welcome back our sponsor, Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value and a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So the Tampa Bay Lightning play Game 3 tonight at the TD Garden Center in Boston after evening their series with a 4-2 to win over the Bruins Monday night. And now a guy who is openly rooting for the Lightning to lose, <laughs> Tom Jones. How are you, I Tom? I am, I was declared public enemy number two behind <laughs> Brad Marchant of the Bruins. Uh, What's going the- on? You, you wrote a column and you went all boys to men saying, although we've come to the end of the road. <laughs> Closing time, end of the party, turn out the lights, let's go, out the door. You know, this is it. To, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, you know, I, I just I just went into this series thinking that Boston was was a little bit, just a little bit better, a little bit tougher, a little bit bigger, a little bit uh, more uh, skilled. And uh, and I picked them to win in six games, which apparently didn't go over well with the Lightning faithful. No, no, you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to pull for the homeboys. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, um, that's what everybody tells me now. So, Tom, yeah, I'm, driving, well, I'm driving home Monday night from the game. And right. there's a law firm here in Brandon I pass by on Lumsden Avenue. And uh-huh. they always have a lightning sign up the last few weeks. Uh, some mess, go lightning, whatever. Well, the sign Monday night said, Tampa Bay Times, Tom Jones, move to Boston. <laughs> you got, well, you, are you, you serious? got a billboard, I'm man. I'm serious. I'm you're serious. Getting, you're getting sign well, shade. Well, I am in Boston now, so I've uh, I've decided to move here for three days uh, as as I as I attend games three and four. But man, yeah, these people take it seriously. I I'd be proud, man. If somebody went to the trouble of actually posting <laughs> letters on a board, you know, I hope they do it like in churches and stuff too. That'd be cool. Oh, uh, that would be yeah, that would yeah, be awesome. Obviously, you're not rooting for them or or not rooting for them. It doesn't really matter. But right, um, the, their first game, you know, was interesting because you wrote a column after they got blasted six to two that said. It really wasn't as bad as the score looks, which I thought, well, that's insane. But I guess <laughs> there was some truth to that. However, they did play much, much better uh, in game two. And I thought they looked like the more desperate team. What was the biggest difference between game one and game two for you? You just said it right there, desperate. They were way more desperate, I thought, in game two than they were in game one. Uh, I thought in game one, they, had, they, they played pretty well for good chunks of that game. Uh, they just didn't keep it up long enough. And really, when you look back at that game one, the reason I, th- I didn't think they played that poorly was because they they did a good job against that that top line, except for just a few moments that those guys got loose, and that's all it takes with those guys, Marchant, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak. You just give them a second or give them a little bit of space, and they're going to make you pay. They did a much better job 
in game two of controlling that line by spending more time in the offensive end while that line was out on the ice. And now, in, in other words, if those guys have to play defense, they can't score on offense. So I thought that was a big difference in the game. I thought they played much better uh, defensively against that top line by playing more offense. And and like you said, Rick, it's just a desperation. They, they just It's not like they weren't trying to win game one. Certainly they were. I just thought in game two they, they had a little more of that – um, attitude you have to have when your backs are against the wall. You'll see Boston respond, I think, the exact same way in Game 3 now because now they know they have to win. If if they want to keep home ice advantage, they have to win the next two games. So I wouldn't be surprised if this series does this the whole way, just goes back and forth with one team still in momentum from the other. Well, let's talk about um, you know Boston's top line and just the guys that uh, have to stop them. I mean, Braden Point had said that you know he, he's going to have to play better and him and Tyler Johnson and was it Pilat, I guess, is on that yeah. line? Uh, mm-hmm. They they certainly were the story in game two. So, uh, again, keeping it in their own zone, playing better defense. But offensively, I'm not sure Braden Point right now and Tyler Johnson aren't the best players on their team. Tyler Johnson is, I thought, the best. I thought he was the best player in the game in game two uh, on Monday night. I thought he was at both ends of the ice. And if you look at the goal that Tyler Johnson scored, it was a great setup by Braden Point. But go look and see where that play started. It started because Andre Pilat made an incredible back check. This this is their best line right now, and I'm sure we'll get into to what's going on with some of the other lines. Yeah. But uh, one in particular. But it's. Uh, you know, you look at these. Uh, you look at how well those guys play in their defensive end, and that usually creates offense. And that's what it certainly did in Game Two. Pilat was great. Uh, Tyler Johnson made some really nice plays in the defensive end. Cooper, John Cooper, Lightning coach, talks about it all the time that you you want to create good offense. It starts in your own end by keeping the puck out of your net, and then creating opportunities. These teams, I tell you, Rick. You know, I, Toronto is real good at this too. But I, I don't know that I've seen – of all the four series that are going on right now, I don't know that there are two teams that go from defense to offense as quickly as these two teams do. And it's, it, makes for, uh, it makes for really fun hockey when, when both of these teams are sort of got it up in high gear. The offense got going for them with that line as well. Now, how does that change when they go to the TD Garden uh, when Boston has the first line change? Yeah, I don't know. See, I think that's a good situation that the Lightning is in right now is because if you're Boston and you want to send out a, a big-time line, who, who, do you, who do you try to match up against? Do you want – obviously, you want to try to keep Marchant and Bergeron and uh, Pasternak away from that line, that Johnson line probably. Right. They might not mind getting that line out there against the Stamkos-Kucherov line. Uh, I don't know. I, it's – it's funny, like, I think, honestly, these two teams could just throw out whichever lines they want. They're perfectly content with the matchup that they're going to get. Now, clearly, the Lightning wanted uh, wanted the Johnson line going up against the Pasternak line. But sure. when we get we, if we go back to Boston, when we go back to Boston for game three, you know, um, I don't know that, that Cooper wouldn't mind if, if uh, he got that same matchup again or, or if Boston will try to stay away from it. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting chess match to see just who Boston – Puts on uh, puts on both the Stamkos line and and also now the Johnson line. Oh, Cooper uh, stuck with it and it, and it paid off. Um, let's talk about what the hell is going on with Steven Stamkos in particular. We'll get to Kucherov in a minute, but Tom, he just you know aside from on the power play um, being there for the occasional one timer, I just don't see this guy really being a factor. You said it, Rick. It's I mean a lot of times I don't. Put a lot of stock in okay numbers. You know, a guy hasn't scored a goal. In yeah, three one or four one games. goal in the playoffs so far. 
Right, and I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I think we, if you go back even further than that, his last yes. 14 or 15 playoff yeah. games, I think he has one goal. Uh, you know, again, you look at the numbers sometimes, and the numbers can be deceiving. A guy might have a thousand chances in a game and just doesn't score. The problem we're seeing with Stamkos is, I, at least I, and maybe I'm, it, it's different for me. I'm not noticing him. Like I, I don't notice mm-hmm. him on the ice all that much. I mm-hmm. even when Kucherov, we'll get into Kucherov, even in games where he doesn't score, I still see him sometimes. You know, he's still yeah, sure. Now I I don't think it's from lack of hustle on Stamkos's part. I don't think it's because he's not trying. I don't think he's not putting himself in a good position. There was a play last night where it looked like he was going to have a good chance at a goal, and the pass got broken up, so he's in the right spot. I think I thought there were a couple moments in game two where he was a little bit snake bit, where the puck didn't get to him, where he was in a position to do something with it. But you can't ignore the numbers, Rick, and you can't ignore the fact that he hasn't been incredibly noticeable. Now, the the first instinct is to say, look, this is a great player. Maybe he's injured. We saw he was hurt, you know, going down the stretch, missed a couple of games in the last two weeks. Oh, of the he's season. definitely hurt. We, I mean, but here's the thing, Rick. I'll say here's what, here's what I'll say about that. I watched a practice the other day, and I don't know what's wrong with him. If we assume he's hurt, then we're assuming lower it's body, his something, lower right? body, knee, high ankle, something like that, right? Yeah. So. I'm watching a practice the other day. They had a practice between the Jersey series and the start of the Boston series when they were trying to keep sort of the energy up because they were sitting around for six days. Right. And this was when they were, I think they were still waiting for Boston to wrap up their series. So they knew they had a few more days left. And they had this really intense practice where they do this thing where they put one net on one blue line and one net on the other blue line. So the nets are super close to one another. And they play these two-on-two games with goalies. And it's high intensity. It's almost like playing a pickup half court pickup basketball game, and all you're doing is cutting and stopping and starting. And it's a lot of you know close quarters. And I watched him in purposefully watched him in that drill, and he looked fine. Like I don't even think you put him out there in a drill like that if point. he's hurt at, at all. Hurt, you know. Now I'm not saying he's he's 100. percent but I think he's got to be pretty close to it, which is even more concerning that he's not scoring. Somebody made this suggestion there, Day Rick, and I, I don't know if this is true or not. Someone said, what if this is kind of who he is now? What if he's not you know, well, that's a 40-goal guy anymore? Yeah, you know? they signed him to a long contract, I mean an extension, and you know, but he has, even though he's still a relatively young man in you know, just natural age, sure, he's played a lot of yeah. hockey. You right. know, he's, he's been in the league, what, is this his 10th year? 10 years, 10 years, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of miles on those legs right now. Yeah, and he's been through a lot. I mean, his body's probably feels oh. older than 28 because he's you know he had the broken leg and then he had the blood clot issue which sure. uh, kept him out. And then he had he said the knee injury that put him out last season was uh, he's the worst thing he's ever had happen uh, to him in terms of physically uh, mm-hmm. on the ice. Um, yeah, I don't know, Rick. I, it's maybe we'll we'll come back in two games from now and say, oh, what you know, well, we after can you scored fast. four goals and yeah, right. But there is a bit of a concern because even in other years, when we've t- we've done these stories before, I can remember writing columns back in 2011 when they played Boston in the Eastern Final, and I wrote, oh, what's what's is, what's wrong with Stamkos? Is, is he hurt? And, and then it happened again a little bit. Remember in the Chicago series in the finals, he goes a through years these ago, droughts. Yeah, he, he goes does through go through these droughts. But in, here's the difference. In those games, I, I still noticed him physically. Yeah. He, might, he might do something. He might throw a huge check. Now, there was a, there was a huge check he threw in the Jersey series mm-hmm. um, that sort of got 
people people uh, you know riled up and, and said, okay, there's there's what Stamkos looks like. I just haven't seen it the last couple of games, so I, I would be a little more concerned about him than I am about Nikita Kucherov so far in these playoffs. Well, I'm wondering, you know, with Kucherov, I mean, he kind of started slow in the New Jersey series, and then actually, you know, statistically had a, had a pretty good series at the end yeah. of the day. Um, are they uh, paying? I mean, obviously you pay attention to him, but how how much? How much physically is he is he getting you know beat up and and I think how he got himself going was he was the one putting on some big hits uh, at the end yeah. of that New Jersey series that got him yeah. going. He was re- he was actually really good in the Jersey series. He had I think he had a rough game one, but from then on yeah. too, and then especially yeah. when they got to Jersey, I thought he was their best player. But right, clearly when you're another team, I know that the Lightning has a lot of guys that can hurt you, and we saw it last night with the Johnson plot or on Monday night with the Johnson plot and. Um, um, point point line right that you're 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 going to pay attention to those guys you're going to pay attention to Alex Kalorn and you're going to say mm-hmm. okay you need to stop them defensively their defensemen from jumping up into play but but obviously when you're the other team you're circling 86 and 91 those are the two guys you say well, look we can't let those two guys beat us they're sure. those are their best players and so I think those guys are getting a little bit of extra attention the playoffs will magnify that a bit um, I don't know. Maybe it's a case too where both guys are are trying to set up the other. You know, both guys want the other guys yeah. a little bit of a funk. Yeah, and this year more than any, I think we've seen Stamkos sort of defer to Kucherov mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I'm again, do you think he break him up at all during this series? Would somebody else that asked that last night. That's not that's not a bad thought. Um, I don't know who who you break him up with. True, um, but but you're I, look. I wouldn't put it out of John Cooper's uh, mind to to. To, to do to not do that I, I i i think you could definitely see john cooper tinkering with that line particularly if they were to go up to if they get here to boston now and they lose uh they lose the next two games and and they fall behind three to one and neither guy's scoring maybe at that point you, you think about breaking them up and putting them on different lines to see if one or the other or both can get going because of it how do you think uh you know, the way this series sort of evolves, I mean, uh, I thought the first game, Vasilevsky, even though, you know, they made the most of their scoring chances, how do you think he's played and how do you think he'll handle playing the TD Garden? And and just as a team, I mean, why has this been such a tough venue for the Lightning, <laughs> and not just this year, but for history? And forever, I mean, up yeah. up a million times. Can you can count on one hand probably the times they've won up there, right? I, I went in there with teams. I can't remember specific games, and maybe people will look at the and, and prove me wrong. It just seems like every time I ever covered a game in there, it would it would get out of hand and it would get out of hand in a in a hurry. It would be like, right. you know, the, the Lightning might be playing well, and then all of a sudden, like in a three minute stretch, Boston scores three goals, and it's and next thing. Sure. You know, this is when back when they had St. Louis and Vinny and Brad Richards and all those guys. They always had trouble there, and I, I can't really explain it other than. Boston's had a really good team over the years as well. But um, I think Vasilevsky will handle this pretty well. I, I wouldn't worry about him. Now, I thought in game one, he he didn't give up any bad goals. And he that's what he's been good at. He doesn't give up any real, like, backbreaker goals. Although the second goal last night the last night was a little soft, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Or on Monday night wasn't my favorite goal ever. But um, he didn't make any spectacular saves in game one you know he mm-hmm. he he didn't give up anything he shouldn't have given up but at the same time he didn't stop anything he shouldn't have stopped what you have to have happen and yeah. Tukaras did that in game one I thought it flipped a little bit in game two where I did Tukaras I Tukaras can't be crazy about the goal that Tyler Johnson scored in on Monday night that was he played it he played that really weird where it was he like he got one side. or something he went to the wrong <laughs> it's, side and it's like where it's are you like going? don't get he was like <laughs> don't get hit by the puck he like tried to avoid <laughs> it it looked like at one point but um but I think the goaltending is I, 
If I had to give an edge to one or the other, I still would trust Andre Vasilevsky a little bit more than Tuka Rask. I know that seems weird to say but because Rask has been around a lot longer. But Rask has a history of disappearing sometimes in the playoffs. And I thought he was really bad for parts of that Toronto series, which is why Boston was in trouble in that series for a while. So um, I like like Vasilevsky. I think he'll be fine uh, in the next next two games in Boston. I don't think the crowd will affect him anyway. He's played in Chicago – during yeah. the Stanley Cup final, so it doesn't get much more intense than that. All right, so what what is the what is the game plan now? What do they have to do against Boston? Uh, is it I would imagine, you know, when you win a game like they did in game 2, your your tendency is to say, "Okay, boys, go play exactly the way we just played." <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, do it. But yeah. they're kind of in an okay position in that they got to do what Boston just did, right? They got to come out of here take one of two games. Um, if you get the series back to Tampa Bay, uh, at two two, you you know got home ice again. It's a three game series now. It's right um, yeah. becomes two out of three, and you feel good that you know if you play three games, two of those are on your home ice. You've mentioned it before, Rick, and I think you're exactly right about this. That sometimes opening up at home can be a little bit of a oh uh, sure a little bit of a problem. Well, Boston is kind of like it's almost like they're opening up at home now. They did what they wanted to do. Yep. But that only is good if you win now your two home games. You have to win both of those. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lightning came out and just tried to take the air out of the building uh, in, in the first period in, in tonight's game. If Just come out, play simple hockey. Don't try to – they want to get out of the first period, nothing, nothing. And if they can do that – I've seen this team time and time again in the playoffs where they go on the road. I can remember a couple of years ago in Detroit, uh, both games that they won in the New York Rangers series, games five and game seven, mm-hmm. where they pitched shutout in both of those games. Those were games where it felt like, like the game started and nothing happened. And all of a sudden you look up and there's like six minutes left and they're up one nothing or 2 mm-hmm. nothing. You're like, wait, how did this happen? I don't even remember getting to here. I think they want to do that. I think they want to make the games – Totally unforgettable, and that's what, like when I think back to that game seven a couple of years ago against the Rangers, I think I, I can't remember anything about that game. You know, it was like <laughs> it was seriously. It was like you look. I watched some of the highlights there night on YouTube, and it was one of those games where nothing, nothing at the end of the I first. I remember Ben Bishop was really nothing, good. I know that. Yeah, he was really good, but it was like it, there was. I said, like I said, you wake up, you look up at the scoreboard, and it's there's eleven one minutes nothing, left, yeah. and it's one nothing, and then it becomes two nothing, and. Next thing you know, they're they're you know they're shaking hands, you know. So Here, that's I what I expect them that, to try to make this a really boring game for the next two games. Well, and to me, um, and to tell me if I'm wrong, Steve's talked about this too. Right now, I think that the sort of the X factor for them, uh, the the player, I think that's doing all the things that you have to do that that you realize when he's on the ice, you feel him. It's Ryan Callahan. Oh. Look, he may not score, but Ryan Callahan is sort of become this pace setter of this of this hockey team he has he uh, on the five on three power play on monday night huge block of a shot which yeah. is what he's known for had a big hit on mcquade that mm-hmm. got the rod the crowd all riled up and here's here's the thing rick like it's funny you go into the locker room after the games and, and you talk to anybody you want and the guys are usually always very cooperative the first person everybody goes to is Ryan Callahan. He, he and he got there last night, and you think these guys would be all riled up. There was no music playing on Monday night after the game, and Ryan Callahan mm-hmm. was sitting there and he was talking about at the same tone that I'm talking to you right now, like it was mm-hmm. just another day at work. He is a guy that I think they really, again, you, you look at his numbers. He's not going to put up spectacular numbers. He's not. He's not a guy who's a 20 goal scorer anymore. He's not going to, you know, in these playoffs, if you get four three or four goals out of the guy in an entire playoff run you're ecstatic 
but that's not what he does. But to, to think that that he isn't valuable, you're right. He's he's really a key member of this team. Let's go on this favorite thing to do in Boston. Best place to eat. Where are you going? Gonna go crab cake era. No, no, I'm a lobster guy, so I like lobster, lobster a lot. Yeah, Monster lobster. <laughs> well, they got the big legal seafood and up there. there but there's oh, a couple lovely. little, but there's a couple little places. And also, if you go to to the north, uh, to North Boston, they have some uh, great Italian. So that's what I'm looking for: a little lobster ravioli, something along those lines. That's what I'm. No, you you be careful with the childs up there, man. <laughs> I will. He's Tom Jones, and he's openly rooting for the Lightning to lose. No, he's Let's not. Let's go, folks. Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. He's just covering the series. We thank you for your insights, everybody, and uh, I'm sure we'll be reading you on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, man. So it'll be game three tonight, again, at 7 o'clock at the TD Garden, also known as the Lightning's House of Horrors, Steve, just a place that they just don't win a lot of games. But all they need is just to get one out of two, much like the Bruins, and Bring it back home to Tampa Bay, and then it becomes a three-game series, and two of them are at Amelie Arena. They've won six games there in their history. That's incredible. Yeah, they lose 80% of all games against the Bruins and almost never win up in Boston. Yes, they've won six in the history of the franchise. <laughs> oh, man. Well, they're going to need seven. <laughs> they're going to need number seven somewhere this next two games because if they can get that, uh, then they just got to win the home cooking, and uh, and they'll be okay. I think this Washington, series is going to go well, Washington, six or seven. Yeah, Washington came from behind on the road at Pittsburgh mm-hmm. on Tuesday night to take a, take back home home ice advantage in a two one lead yeah. in the series. So, yeah. and Washington Man, that's, I, that's their nemesis is Pittsburgh. So if Washington yes, can do it, it, no reason the Lightning can't. There you go. There you go. So that's why they play the games. It'll it'll be fun. I think the Lightning have to feel pretty pretty much uh, better and back in this series, and yet. You know, sometimes these things go back and forth, and it's like the most desperate team is the one that wins, and that was the Lightning, um, certainly in Game 2. And I would think that, you know, Boston, if they're going to feel urgency, it's going to be tonight with their home crowd and knowing that they have to hold serve, and um, it's going to be a great game. So this thing is evened up. We'll see what happens tonight, 7 o'clock, TD Garden. Okay, so the Rays, meanwhile, they lose 2-1 to to uh, Detroit in Detroit. And, um, you know, it's we were talking about this before the podcast. Chris Archer actually pitched pretty well. I mean, you know, you gave up two runs, right? But, man, if there's ever a day when maybe you need to just throw up a shutout, and I know, you know, that that's easier said than done, obviously. He usually doesn't go really deep into games and things like that. Um, but but you, you, you made this comment, Stephen. It's so true. It's like whatever Archer needs, like, to win or, or, you know, if you get him a bunch of runs, what was it you said? He pitches to the score? Yeah, Dave Wills was commenting on that in the broadcast tonight on Rays Radio, too, that, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, you hear teams will play to the comp- level of the competition sometimes. You, you hear that yeah. in basketball or hockey or others where they just, oh, know, yeah. they just don't give it the full effort. And I'm not saying Chris Archer isn't giving full effort, but, you know, he's down a run and he pitches really well and he won't give up anymore. But you give him a lead and it's questionable. And, and you know, those shutdown innings get tough for him sometimes. And and it was tonight. I mean, it was t- they tied it up one one. You're looking for a shutdown inning. He gave up one more run. It turns out he only gave up two runs on the night. Pitched pretty well, but tonight was a night you needed to give up one or less. Yeah, so true, so true. And um, he actually could have given up more. He strikes out a couple batters with uh, a couple guys on base, and, and like you said, he holds them right there. But they're not able to get on top. Actually, this game should have been tied, and, and in fact, the Rays maybe should have won it, but. 
I don't look. I don't know how or what the third base coach Matt Quattrero was looking at, but there's a base hit and and he's and it's a fairly sharply hit ball to center field, and Wilson Ramos is on second, and you know Ramos, in addition to being a very slow runner, has been uh, fighting a groin injury that's kept him out a couple of days. Um, so Quattrero unbelievably gives kind of a half-hearted you know, go sign or, you know, green light for Ramos to uh, to try to score. And he's out by 12 feet. I mean, it's it's not even close. The catcher grabs the ball, jumps back in the baseline. He's like, wait, oh, I can wait to tag you. I mean, it, it, he was, you know, expecting it's more a, of a bang, like he bang gave play. himself up, you oh, know, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and Ramos doesn't want to get hurt. It was the, I mean. No, wait, wait, I mean, what else can he do? He's going to, I mean, he's, you know, the ball's waiting on him four steps away. Yeah, it was a really bad decision by Quattrero. I mean, I, I'm I'm one who thinks that most third base coaches aren't aggressive enough as a, as True. a rule. I mean, I think too often you're you're not forcing the other team to make a play. You're, That's true. You know, but in this case, uh, the center fielder's charging in. It's a pretty sharp hit ball that's getting to him quickly. Ramos is on second. Mm-hmm. is not running fast to third. No. I mean, it it wouldn't have even take. I mean, it was a really good throw, but it could have been. A, pretty bad throw it could have been up the okay. line yeah. yeah it wouldn't have mattered yeah. yeah like i said i'm for aggressiveness but this one was pretty bad yeah i mean it was it was just so i mean on the one hand like i've seen you know my theory is okay if you're depending on who you're facing if it's a game where you know runs are hard to come by and maybe you know maybe you're not going to get to a certain guy and it's late in the game i mean i've seen i've seen i've seen people take chances i prefer you know if you're going to take a chance like that it has to be maybe a relay situation where they have to make two throws to get you, you know, from the right field corner. And I've seen Cotrero early in the season hold a guy up at third base, even though, you know, the ball was hitting the corner and it, and it would have taken two perfect throws to get him. Um, I'm all for being aggressive in that situation for sure. But this one uh, and, wasn't and even he, a relay. This was going to be straight no, from it was center a, field home. He, he's got everything in front of him. He's charging the ball. The ball's hit fairly sharply. And, you know, like you said, he could have made a bad throw and they would have tagged him out. It just wasn't even close. It was just like, man, what is he thinking? But, um, look, they didn't score a lot of runs. Sometimes you need to score more than two uh, or at least two to keep the game going. And then sometimes you need your ace, <clears throat> Chris Archer, to maybe throw a shutout inning up there or two after you, uh, after you tie it up. But, man, it's just, uh, you know, even when Archer pitches well, the one thing that we can say about Chris Archer is, he does not get many W's, and and that sometimes it's his fault, and sometimes it's not. But boy, he takes a lot of L's. Just just that's who he is. The Rays got some bad news too, and this sort of explains a lot, Steve. And we hope it's not what it sounds like. But Yanni Chirinos, who the Rays had made their number four starter, uh, has had a couple of really shaky outings. Haven't been able to get deep into games. Well, it turns out that uh, he's got some what they call the old forearm tightness. Uh-oh. And that's what we call heading to the doctor for Tommy John, maybe. Dr. Coco Eaton, he'll see him on Thursday when the Rays are back in town. Yeah. Hoping for the best. Yeah, it just, it just seems like what it is. And and uh, the Rays, I don't know if it is organizational or, or what, but, man, they've, they've look, at, look at what has happened to their pitching staff this year, the young pitchers in particular. Um, I mean, these Tommy John injuries – when they, they seem like a, it seems like an outbreak. It's not a disease, but it, you know it, it. It's just hit this organization hard this year. Well, if this if this is Tommy John surgery, and we don't know that yet, 
We don't know that yet. But if it is, it's going to be the third in two months for the race. Mm. Between Jose De Leon, Brent Honeywell, and if Yanni Chirinos is another one. They're best prospects, man. I mean, they're best pitching prospects. Guys that were going to play a big role this year, and, and in the case of Chirinos, was already in their rotation. So, so is Benjamin um, Bullpen called up again for now two days a week? You can't do that. I mean... You know, when guys – because th- this is assuming now we know that Blake Snell gets deep in games, sometimes Archer maybe to the sixth. Um, you know, Faria was Faria good went last eight. Yeah, he went, yeah, he went eight, but you can't – he's also, he's also had games where he went four. Um, but, you know, it puts such pressure on the other three guys to go really deep into games, and you just can't count on that every time. And I, I also wonder too, Steve, like – What's going to happen when you get to, I don't know, um, and, you know, I don't know if they'll still be in it. What happens when you get to August? What happens when you get to September? What what kind of innings have these guys pitched in the bullpen um, when, you know, I mean, the, the normal sort of load is, is pretty heavy by then. But if you've, if you've been throwing guys, you know, extending innings uh, one or two games like they've been doing with this, this these bullpen days – it's it's gonna just it's gonna pile up on their arms. I I just don't know how they think this is sustainable. Um, but I I mean they don't. I mean what would you do? You could take, I suppose, and I I'm not sure why they haven't done this to be honest with you. But Matt Andrees has had his run of starts before. You know, Matt Andrees has been a guy that they brought up has has had to fill in spots in the rotation. I always thought he did a pretty good job. Um, I know they put him in the bullpen. I don't know how "quote unquote" stretched out you need to be, um, but his last couple of outings have been pretty good. I don't know why they just don't use Andrees. They may be forced to now, but I don't know why you wouldn't just use him in the rotation. I'm not sure what what they see in him that they don't like him as a starter. It's either that or they have a role for him in the bullpen that they don't think they have anyone else that can do. That could be it too. You know, and, and it's more of a. You know, you're not that much better than any other starter we could throw out there, but you're really better at this. So we're going to leave you at this. I I don't know what they feel about him, but, you know, I've always thought, I mean, you know, he's not an ace or a number two pitcher on a staff. No. But as your number four or five guy, he's more than adequate. That's what I think. I mean, he he knows how to pitch. He, he, you know, he mixes up his pitches well. Um, He's got good presence on the mound. I, I, I don't. I I don't see why he's not a starter in this rotation, especially with all the injuries you have. I mean, if if, if you know Brent Honeywell and Jose De Leon and Yanni Chirinos had passed him, oh, and they sure. were all going to be starters. Fine, but you've got a ton of injuries now. I don't I don't get why he's not a starter, but and it may just be that they the role he's playing in the bullpen, they don't think anyone else can do anywhere near him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of got that. You know, if somebody gets in trouble early, he's sort of the. The bridge, you know, pitcher to you know to to to, to save your bullpen almost, uh, and get you you know get you to the back side of it. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, there there are some good arms still down there in Durham. Guys that are pitching well, um, they're going to have to go search down there for some answers. But well, Ryan Yarborough uh, called man. back up now. He's most yeah, likely going to start Friday. And that's that's probably going to be the guy, right? I mean that I mean I don't know of the young guys. He's probably been the one that's worked the most. He came in the other day and got his first major league win. I'm guessing um, they won't name him the starter. They'll do a bullpen day, but he'll start sure. most of them at this point. Yep, yep. Try to get him through three or four innings, and and then uh, yeah, go to Johnny Holstaff. It's a tough way to make a living, but they're now two games under 500. At some point, hope you know for them, they they just got to climb that mountain and get back 
get back to 500. It's been a good road trip, to say the least, at this point. And I'm still, I still think they're playing really good baseball. They just, they just didn't get many key hits and many hits at all. No, and tonight um, they had a shot to get back to 500 for the first time since the second day of the season when they were one and I one. I know. I know. They were 13 and 14. So now they're 13 and 15, I believe, right? Correct. Something like that. So a day game still today, 110, 110 first pitch from Comerica Park. Yep. And this, this wraps up the road trip, correct? Yes. Yeah, then they're home this yeah. weekend uh, against the Blue Jays, I believe. Huh. This weekend. No one's asked me to do the Sunday game yet. That might, that might be coming up soon. <laughs> I might want to check with my boss. Well, you got lightning. You got game five at Amelie Arena Sunday afternoon as well. So. Yeah, I'd prefer to go to that, to be honest with you. Um, at least we're guaranteed of a game five. Yes, and it's a 3 so o'clock start that, on Sunday. That'll be fun. Hey, we really appreciate you guys listening. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, and uh, we uh, hope you enjoyed Tom Jones getting you ready for game three tonight. And him packing his Garden. bags to move to Boston. <laughs> he can't come home, man. That sign is hilarious, by the way. You have that posted. Uh, it's on, on our, our Twitter, Twitter handle, yep, S- yeah. at SportsDayTB. There's a sign in Brandon at a law firm, Read and Read, that uh, put Tampa Bay <laughs> Times, Tom Jones, moved to Boston. Oh, man. I was arguing with this guy, too, on, on Twitter tonight. It's just like, I don't want to see that headline in my I, – I don't know why you'd write that column. I don't want to see it in my favor. And I'm trying to explain to him, man, dude, he calls balls and strikes. He's not the third base coach for a team. Like, you, you know, this just doesn't work. But I don't want to see it in my local paper. It's like, okay, I get it. Um, when they start writing signs about you, I would take that as, as a real terms of endearment. I have not gotten a billboard yet, so I'm a little jealous of that. What but do you mean? you got Tom billboards all it. over town. Yeah, well, yeah, we do, of course. Sports Day Tampa Bay. I mean, that's that's podcast. You're stuff, everywhere man. at the trial. I am. It's embarrassing. In the arena. It's embarrassing. I know, but hey, we're getting people over. We're getting people to listen to us. It's great, and uh, the feedback's been great. So, thanks to the to the Tampa Bay Times and all the marketing folks over there that have uh, helped promote this podcast. And uh, make sure you visit uh, all our sponsors. Uh, especially Continental Wholesale Diamonds and those guys. They've been great over there. So, uh, anyway, thanks again uh, for listening. And, uh, you know, we want your feedback. And, um, you know, you can always reach us, as Steve said, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. I want you to rate and review this podcast. Where can they do that, Steve? Anywhere you get your podcast. So whether you're subscribing through iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, in in, in any of those apps, you can like it, you can leave comments, you can uh, do that. That always helps us. And, of course, you can always go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episodes are there as well to do the same. Enjoy Game 3, everybody. We'll be back here tomorrow. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.